Hey, good morning, church. We are so glad you're here. You know, that video was such a great reminder as we celebrate Independence Day. We also thought it'd be really fun to celebrate right out here, outside. So we're gonna do some worship out here, announcements, kind of hang out in the great outdoors. But I wanna in introduce you to our friend Grace. She's interning with us this summer. Introduce yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm working with um, the bookkeeping department, um, doing an internship here at MRCC. And I'm doing it because um, I might want to work at a church in their finances or with a nonprofit with financials. Um, yeah, we'll just see what God has in store. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. And, yeah. and share your talent too. Yeah, piano. Love yep. it. Love well, being we on appreciate the worship team. that. Yeah. yeah, we love having you here and being a part of the worship team and yeah. helping us out in the office. It's great. So that's yeah. good stuff. And we are so grateful that you are here joining us online. It's such a beautiful opportunity to gather together in this way. We're so glad you're here. We just want to welcome you and invite you to be a part of our online community. Yeah, and if you're new here, um, go ahead and grab your phone. You can text MRCC to 94000 or if you're interacting with us on our live services you can click the connect button in the chat to connect with us we'd love to meet you Absolutely. It's such a great way to be able to connect with those folks that we don't actually get to see face to face, yeah, right? Exactly. But we are having some in-person services right now. So yeah. we've been able to, last Sunday, we got to see some people uh, in person. It yeah, was wonderful. It was so fun. We absolutely love being able to do that. Uh, and we just want to remind you that if you want to come to uh, an in-person service, same service times, 8, 9, 30, and 11, just like we're doing the interactive online services, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Mm -hmm. If you want to come, we just want to remind you uh, to sign up every single week so we can keep a track and uh, watch what what we're doing as far as the parameters that we're under right now. Yeah, and yeah. once you click submit, you are signed up for that service. So you don't have to do anything else except show up um, and make Perfect. sure that you're signing up weekly. Yeah. Absolutely, that's going to be really important. You know, yeah. we're also going to be doing some events this summer. I'm super oh, yay. excited about so that. Fun. Uh, you know, as the best way that we can under the parameters that we have, we thought it'd be fun to do some family stuff. Uh, so we're planning to do some movie nights and some game nights uh, right outside. Yeah, yeah. So when's the first one going to be? Well, uh, July 10th. So that's oh, this wow. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we we thought it'd be fun to do the first thing being a movie night. That'd be an easy way to get started. Awesome. What movie are you guys watching? Well, Janae requested. Uh, it's the uh, is it Trolls? Yeah. Yeah, the Trolls. World Tour. Ah, yeah, fun. Yeah. I've heard that one's good. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. I'm going to watch it this week, though. Yeah, there you go. But Janae promises me, and a lot of the kids have promised, that it's an amazing movie. So All right. it should be pretty good. We're going to have fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. just gather in our MRCC backyard. Uh, we, we invite people to come around 7 because we'll set up some games out in the backyard there. So you can get your stuff set up. You can be ready, play some games. And then as soon as it's dark enough outside, uh, we'll play the movie. Fun. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. We'd love to see simple. all of you guys yeah. come out. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll also do game night. It's just going to be outdoor kind of games. You come as a awesome. family. We figured it'd be a little easier to be able to participate in games as families and see each other around the around the property. So yeah. we're going to do that one on uh, July 24th. So put that date on your calendar too. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, we'd love to see you guys there. Mm -hmm. And now that we're outside, and um, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Yeah, let's do it. Amen. Amen. Good morning, MRCC. Welcome to Church Online today. We are so happy you are here. Look, we are outside enjoying God's creation as we come together in worship. What a way to worship on 4th of July weekend, right? Today, we want to celebrate the freedom that is found in His presence and His Spirit. So God, we worship you for all that you are. Let's worship Him, church. Hey! words with us church who breaks the power 
of sin and darkness Whose love is mighty and so much stronger The King of glory, the King above all kings That's right Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder And leaves us breathless in awe and wonder Amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the name. Justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, we sing it out. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Yes, you laid it down. 
God, we worship you. You see, his presence is here wherever we are gathered. Let us celebrate his freedom today. Come on. open spaces graces waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted graces waiting where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is Spaces, graces, waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Graces, waiting where the Spirit of the Lord is.
thank you for your freedom. Church, he is here. He is worthy. That's what we sing because you're worthy. You're worthy of every song, every word out of our lips we give to you. It's all for you, Jesus. We praise you, church. We sing because he's worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, yes, you're worthy. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. We sing holy. And holy, there is no one like all the praise worthy of all the praise we could ever bring yes worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh king jesus jesus the name above every other Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. You're so worthy, Lord. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Lord, build us 
up, Lord. We declare we build our lives. Can we sing, church? That I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. We declare this. And we are celebrating our nation, the birth of our nation. And God, this nation is, is hurting right now. We are so grateful that we get to experience the freedoms that we do have in this country. But Father, our nation is hurting because of injustice, because of sickness. Father, we feel the weight of the world right now. But all the more do we need you. All the more do we need to place our trust in you. We need to build our lives upon the firm foundation of the rock of Jesus. So God, we ask you to bless America. God bless America at this time. Father, we ask for your blessing on this nation and every heart in this nation to see the true light of Jesus, to build our lives in that firm foundation of love and to walk it day and day. God, we worship you. You're the one who's worthy of all praise lifted up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for gathering with us in worship this morning.
Well, good morning, friends. Good morning, church. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is for you. It's great to be gathered with you in this moment. I hope that you had a great Independence Day celebration uh, last night, it being Saturday night before church. I'm kind of picturing a bunch of bleary-eyed people uh, gathered in their living room, uh, recovering from the celebration, but I hope yours was great. We have a lot to be thankful for as a country, and this is that time every year when we do that. Thanks, Pastor Weston and the worship team and everybody working behind the scenes for helping uh, this all come together. Uh, really appreciate you leading us in worship, Pastor Weston, you and all the team. Uh, you know, I think in this season, uh, that supernatural reality of worship is what we, what we need the most. And this morning, I, I want to take a break from our series in Hebrews and talk to us a little bit about the reality of, of what we celebrate this weekend and of what God is calling us to this weekend. And, and I want to begin, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to, to Matthew chapter 10. And, and I want to begin by, by asking you a question, and that is this. Have you ever had to make a choice between two things that you love? A choice between two things that you really love. That's a, a hard choice. And I think from time to time, every one of us faces that kind of a challenge. Do I go with the barbecued potato chips or the Cheetos? Which one do I go with? Because choosing one might mean missing out on the other. When I think about making a, a choice between things that you love, I remember when Isaiah was just a, a, a small boy and we would come home from, from church on Wednesday night and we had kind of a tradition. He would always ride home with dad on Wednesday nights and we would always stop at this little store on the way home and, and he got to pick one kind of candy from the candy rack. It was a big deal because uh, mom was super careful with not allowing him to have much candy. But on Wednesday night, coming home with dad, he got to have some. And, and the experience was always the same. We would walk into that little grocery store and Isaiah would be faced with this big rack filled with different kinds of candy. And sometimes it would take forever for him to pick one. He would go back and forth, up and down the aisles, looking at each one, picking it up, turning it over, thinking it through. Maybe the hardest thing he had to do in his entire week was make a choice between the different kinds of candies that he loved. I used to get a kick out of it watching him do that. But, but on a serious note, have you ever really had to make a choice between two things that you really love? There's, there's only one way to make that choice. You have to decide which of those two you love more, which one you love first. You know, if I fast forward in our son's growing up into his teenage years, there's always some, some rough water in that season. And, and I remember that sometimes uh, Isaiah, as he struggled through adolescence, would put me in a position where he would force me to have to choose between him and his mom in some debate or argument or decision about behavior. And, and in those moments, you feel the tension. And in those moments, I always chose his mom, always, so that someday he would understand that he is meant, as the Bible says, to leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. I wanted him to understand 
that when the day came that he was married, his wife came first. You understand that, and, and when you understand that, you realize that sometimes your love for someone, your best love for someone, depends on your love for someone else. In fact, it depends on your greater love for someone else. This weekend, we celebrate our country and all of its many blessings and the virtues that God has given us. Make no mistake, there is much to celebrate. America has been blessed, and America has been a very great blessing to the world around us. Nobody gives like America does to the world around us. But it's also true that our country, as much as we love her, sometimes needs some serious parenting of her own. And love cannot help but offer that parenting. When I was sent overseas by the Marine Corps, they gave us a, a, a talk before we were sent. And they said, you have to understand, guys, ladies, that everything you do and say when you're living in a foreign country reflects on your country. And they said to us, people will get their ideas of America from the way you behave in their country, from the way you talk, from the way you act in their country. In the same way, Jesus wants us to represent the king we ultimately belong to. King Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and his kingdom, his kingdom of heaven. He wants us to represent that country to the one that we live in now. So, so let's take a little time this morning to, to talk about king and country. To talk about racism and protests and riots and justice. And how to be the people of God for the country we love. Let's start in Matthew chapter 10. And listen to Jesus talk to us, verses 34 to 39. The Lord is speaking. And he's going to say something tough and hard here. He's going to call us to choose between the things we love. Here's what he says. He says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now he's talking about peace on earth, as distinguished from peace in us. But he says, I did not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. For I have come, listen, to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's probably the easiest of all the ones. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. For whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, friends, let's be honest. Most of us don't even like to think about this. This might be one of the least preached on passages in the Gospels. We don't want to make the choice between things that we love. 
But that's because we think that choosing one always means losing the other. But what if choosing one means becoming able to love the other well? Again, I, I love my son best when I love his mom first. He learns from that. He learns, first of all, the old adage that if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But seriously, he learns that a husband, a father, a man of God needs to be devoted to his wife first and foremost. And only by so such devotion is he able to be the best father that a son needs. Now, when we hear this passage, remember, this is the same Jesus who said that we should never use our religious duties as an excuse to ignore the needs of our families. We see that in chapter 15 where Jesus came against the Pharisees because they did just that. This is the same Jesus who said, no, 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 your family stands above many of those duties. And this is the same God who made honor your father and mother one of the Ten Commandments. And this is the same Son of God who said that even thinking about abandoning your, your family for some other woman or some other man is completely out of line. So when Jesus calls us to make this choice between things we love, it's not about one or the other, but about which one comes first for the sake of all. And in the same way, God calls us to decide whether king or country comes first in our hearts. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 3 when he said this. He said, As I have often told you and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he defines being an enemy of the cross of Christ this way. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not always obvious to us in our modern context what kind of an issue the Apostle is explicitly addressing here. But it shows up in that he contrasts citizenship in heaven with being an enemy of the cross of Christ. And he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, church, we must understand that the persecution of believers in the first century was because they were willing to call anybody but Caesar Lord. That is why Rome persecuted the Christians. And Paul knows that when he writes these words. And so he speaks of the fact that our highest authority is our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the same thing over in 1 Peter chapter 3 when the apostle writes, In your hearts, in your heart, set apart Christ as your Lord. King, even above country meaning that we are called to, to see him as our absolute authority, our king before country for the sake of country. You know, I became a believer, a follower of Jesus when I was in the military. And one of the things I, I learned early on as I began to read my Bible and be taught by Jesus was that there might come a time when I would have to choose between obeying my commanding officer and obeying my savior. God asks us to make those hard choices because he knows that our ability to love well depends on making those choices. 
You know, and just like the whole business with our family, I talked about my wife and my son. When it comes to king and country, we love our country best when we love our king first. Perhaps our, our greatest president, many would argue that Abraham Lincoln is that, our greatest president stood up and told half the country they were wrong and made them so mad that there was a, a civil war for five years. Why? Because he knew that there was a higher authority than the Supreme Court or the Congress or the Constitution. He knew and understood that. He understood that there was an authority far above the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. He understood that there was a king above country. You know, it wasn't until 1865, at the end of that war, that the 13th Amendment upgraded our Constitution to abolish slavery. And it wasn't until 1870 that the 15th Amendment again upgraded our Constitution to guarantee the right to vote to people who weren't white. And it wasn't until 1919 that the 19th Amendment upgraded the Constitution to give women the right to vote. Friends, in each of these cases, king elevated country. By putting king first, the country became better. God is calling us to that kind of a role in our world. And, and, and the beautiful thing is that once your loyalties are settled, you are free to love well. Once your loyalties are settled. When I put my wife first in my heart, that sets me free to love my son the best. In the same way, God calls us to choose between him and my family, between him and my country, so that he can teach me to love my family so that he can teach me how to love my country. And that's important in this season that we're in right now, friends, because our country needs some parenting right now. We have a long and troubled history of racism in our land, and it is still there. I'll never forget the first time I encountered racism as a youth pastor. There was a young lady in our youth group who, who was a wayward young lady. She was someone who had developed physically far ahead of her age. And as a consequence, there was all kinds of trouble. You can put two and two together. And one of the things that happened as I grew my relationship with her is I was teaching her, hey, no, God has a way for you to be with boys and a way for you not to be with boys. And you want to put God first and seek him first and look for, you know, godly attention well, as a couple of months went by, an opportunity came up. We went to a joint youth group get-together, and she met a young man. And there were some sparks there. There was some connection. When that happened, I was thrilled because that young man was the, the primary leader in his youth group, a Christian young man committed to God, committed to doing uh, relationships in a godly way. He couldn't, I talked to his youth pastor, his youth pastor raved about him, what an upstanding, strong-hearted, full-of-faith young man he was. And I remember him telling her as they began to kind of notice each other that, hey, this relationship was going to be a godly relationship because God came first in his heart. And, and when we got back from that event, and I was so thrilled to tell her dad, who I had been praying with for her, about what had happened, that a godly man was coming into her, a boy, a godly boy was coming into her life. And I'll never forget the ache and the hurt in my heart when her dad said, 
but Pastor Greg, he's black, and my daughter is white. I said to my friend, oh, please don't say that. That is so wrong and unreal. This is a godly man, but, but he insisted. And I'll always remember what he said. Pastor Greg, I'm not racist, but I can't allow this. You see, church, that kind of struggle is very real in our world. And so our calling is to bring our king's authority to our country. The Bible says that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's unequivocal and categorical. If he abolishes the difference between Jew and Gentile, if he abolishes the difference between male and female in this sense, how much more does skin color become not a thing? Church, we, we need to bring that authority to our country. And the key is to listen to those who are suffering. You know, I have a dear friend who is a better man than me. And as this current turmoil in our country was happening, he and some of a couple other friends, we were, we were having an extended discussion about it. And, and my friend wasn't sure that racism is really a problem, that it's really the problem that some say it is. And so our, our group had a long talk about it. You know how it is when your friends are together. And somebody invited my friend to ask a couple of his friends who were not white about it. And my friend had a couple friends like that whom he'd never discussed the issue with, a couple of African-American friends. And so my friend said, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. The next time we saw him, there were tears in his eyes. As he came and, and told us how his friends shared their agony, their experiences, the abuse that they had suffered. Shared how real it was to them. My friend came back with a changed heart as he listened to those tears and stories. Tears and stories from people he knew and respected who'd never shared it with him before. And my friend's heart was changed. Church, it only takes a little learning to discover the horrors that our country has been a part of. And there's one big mistake that we make about it. We say, I'm not racist myself. When we should be saying, I'm against racism by anyone. There's a difference between those two things. Jesus knew the difference and he practiced it. He demonstrated this difference when he relentlessly challenged his Jewish audience in the Gospels again and again to stop seeing themselves as non-Gentiles and to see themselves as sent to the Gentiles since that's what the Bible was teaching from the beginning. Not many people know why Jesus drove the money changers from the temple. Often we incorrectly assume that he did that because he was against banking in the church. But that's a whole different subject for another time. Driving the money changers out of the temple was not about that. We know this because when Jesus drove them out, you can read about it in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. 
he quoted a very specific passage from Isaiah chapter 56, which was addressed to Israel's racism. You see, what was actually happening was that the part of the temple that was dedicated to be used by the Gentiles was being used instead as a marketplace, while the part that was dedicated to the Jews wasn't. And Jesus saw that racism, and that was the thing that drove him to the actions he took. And he said, my house, hear it now, Mark eleven seventeen, quoting Isaiah, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So what was that moment about? What aroused his anger? Racism is what it was about. It's what Isaiah the prophet was talking about. That's why Jesus quoted Isaiah the prophet. So knowing that that's God's heart about these things, we are called to bring his authority, the authority of our king, to our country. Uh, I want you to know, friends, that I'm working on something behind the scenes, have been for a couple weeks now. I'm working on a, uh, what it looks like to have a, a sister church relationship between MRCC and an African-American church in Bremerton, Washington. Now, you say, why Bremerton? Well, because I've gotten to know the pastor a little over the years. He actually works with my wife, and so we've been able to make a connection. I trust him. I know his heart. And we're working, he and I, on what it would look like to partner together, MRCC and New Horizons Baptist, to, to, to bring the authority of our king to our country in these issues. Uh, you'll be meeting him sometime in the next few weeks and months. But understand something for our purposes this morning. This doesn't mean that we should riot and march in the streets. Peaceful protest is a civil right in our country, but it's an open question of whether it's always the best solution or the best answer. I find it incredibly revealing that the prophet Isaiah also says something very specific about the way Jesus goes about his mission. Matthew quotes it in chapter 12. Again, he's quoting Isaiah in chapter 42. But here's what he says, describing Jesus. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. That's what we're called to do. But listen to this. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not stuff out until he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. You know, sometimes it's as if we're told that the only way we can address this issue is by marching. And some would even suggest that the only way we can address it is by violence. That's not what the Bible says. Scripture teaches us that Jesus understood something deeper about the roots of these issues. And while, as I said a moment ago, marching is a civil right and can even be a calling for someone in a season to assume it's the only calling, is to fail to pay attention to what the Bible says about Jesus. Some people will say, if you don't march, you're not part of the solution. Jesus disagrees. There's nothing wrong with peaceful marching, but the problem goes deeper than that. He seeks to see people radically born again, not simply to change a few laws. So the question isn't, are you marching? The question is, what are you doing to proclaim justice to the nations? What are we doing? Like my good friend learned, one of the first and most important things we can do 
is to listen to our brothers and sisters who are suffering. Our country is at our best when we obey our king first. But there's one more note on that. Our king also says, don't fight about what's not important. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41 says this, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, you have to understand the background to that. In those days, Rome, an oppressive foreign government, would sometimes conscript local people and force them to carry the gear of Roman soldiers from one fort to another, from one post to another. It wasn't welcome. It wasn't comfortable. It was loathed and hated that that would be forced on people. But Jesus doesn't say, take up your sword and fight. He says, go willingly so that you can preach the gospel to them. Use that opportunity to preach about your king to your country. Sometimes all we hear is if, if someone forces you, we resist. But Jesus says he wants me to hear the opportunity I will have in moments like that to share the gospel. Paul talks about the same thing in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, when he says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone in order to win as many as possible. He talks about his rights, but then in verse 15 of chapter 9, that same passage, he says, I have these rights, but I set them aside. I don't use them because I want to make the gospel heard by any and every way. When I was in the Marine Corps, I, I set aside many of my rights in order to serve my country. How much more ought we be willing to set aside our rights in order to serve our king and to invite people into his kingdom? So, this Independence Day, friends, let us not only celebrate our freedom, but let us remember what our freedom's for. Freedom isn't an end in itself, it's a chance to do good. And so the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Instead, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature but use your freedom to serve in love. How better could we ever serve our country than by obeying our king first and foremost? So let me finish this morning, church, with just four little things you can do. We'll be done in just a couple of minutes. To be the people like Jesus who proclaim justice to the nations. How you as an individual, we as a church can be that. Here's the four things real quick. The first one is to be willing to listen, to hear those who are suffering, to listen to what they are saying about what they're experiencing. Not to listen to the media, but to listen to them. You know, that's what this partnership with New Horizons Baptist is about doing. My, uh, our discussions is about getting together as sister churches and sharing our experiences so that we can help one another, so that we can grow, so that together we can send our King's message to our country. So the first thing to do is to listen. Maybe you have some African-American friends or Asian friends or Latino friends who've experienced racism. Would you ask them about it? Hey, what have you experienced? Would you tell me about what you've experienced? Just listen. There's no harm in listening and there's much learning in it. The Bible says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. This is an opportunity to do just that. So to listen. And again, as we develop this sister church partnership, we'll have opportunities to do that. The second one is to pray and to worship, to understand 
that the battle belongs to the Lord, that our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but in prayer and worship is where the victory is won because that's what changes hearts. When Joshua and the people of God came to the city of Jericho, God said, hey, I don't want you to attack those walls. I want you to worship me as you march around those walls. And I'll meet you in that. And I'll give you victory in that. And the same is still true today. So listen, pray and worship. The third one is this, is to get on God's side. You know, in that story about Joshua and Jericho, there's a beautiful moment when Joshua arrives with Israel at the walls of Jericho, but he looks off to the right, Joshua chapter five, you can read this. And he sees another army there. And he thinks to himself, well, my goodness, what does this mean? And so he goes to the commander of that army and he says, hey, are you on our side? Are you on their side? Who are you and where are you coming from? And whose side are you on? And there's a beautiful response in, in verses 14 and following where the, the commander of what we learn to be the army of the Lord of hosts, this is God's angels who are gonna supernaturally intervene. The angel says, we're not on your side. We're not on their side. We haven't come to take sides, we've come to take over. The question isn't whose side are we on, the question is, Joshua, whose side are you on? God's or your own? And Joshua, understanding that, immediately falls on his knees and says, tell me what I need to know so that we can be on your side. To ask that question is how we align ourselves with God's power for our country. The question isn't, God, are you on our side or their side? The question is, God, am I on your side? To ask yourself that question, to search the scriptures, to see where you stand, get on God's side. And the last one is to govern your tongue. Make sure everything that you say honors your king, reflects your king. Uh, when I went overseas in the military, as I said a moment ago, they said, hey, everything you say and do, reflects on your country. That is so much more true for us as believers. Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And when we submit our tongues to our king, when we govern our tongues and recognize that everything we say reflects on our king, then we best love our country. And that's what God seeks for his people on this Independence Day. His desire is to bless our land. His desire is to make our land a blessing. That happens when we choose king over country on behalf of our country. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? God, we hear your word so clearly this morning. And Jesus, you do call us to choose you above everyone else so that we can love well God, help us to make that choice in our hearts, each one of us, us as a church, all churches. God, help us to make that choice clear as a bell in our own hearts so that we can be your people proclaiming your justice to the nations, proclaiming your gospel to the lost and broken. God, make us like you in these things, we pray, so that your blessings can flow on our land and through our land. We pray for that. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, this is the way forward. This is what God has for us. I'm looking forward, uh, as time allows, the next weeks, maybe a couple months, for you to meet Pastor Mac and the congregation of New Horizons Baptist. 
But for today, let us go from here understanding what we're called to for the sake of our country. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God, tell someone that you love them. God bless America.